Research Briefs podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Streveler, coming to you from the School of Engineering Education at Purdue University. The goal of Research Briefs is to expand the boundaries of engineering education research. In these podcasts, we'll speak to researchers about new theories, new methods, and new findings in engineering education research. You can hear the people around us. I'm Ruth Strebler. I'm Julia Thompson. Julia, one of our wonderful graduates from E&E, who is doing amazing things. So Julia, what's new? Well, so I got a position at San Jose State. I'm working as the director of their ethics program, and so I'm doing a lot of curriculum development and partnership. I feel like it's part community organizing and part faculty, and so I'm really grateful for the position because it really mm-hmm. aligns, I think, with my skills. Fabulous. Yeah. And I also know you're uh, part of a new journal. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about that? So the journal is called Murmurations. And the, so the title is named after the murmurations of birds because the flight patterns, um, there's not really a single leader in a flight pattern in recognizing this like holistic fluid movement. Right. Yeah. And so a real emergence, right? Emergence, there you've got like a tagline of three yeah. E's. There's emergence. And and I would assume like equity is one of them. I, I can't remember. I exactly. can't remember that yeah. either. But, but there's three E's. But the social, the journal itself is really focused on social justice and education. And it's not specifically engineering, but there's a lot of engineers involved. But it's really about like how can we move forward the conversation and create more social justice in an education space. And um, instead of doing more intellectual merit, we're doing more broader impact. So you have to show and create conversation about equity that, and show things that have, will lead to equity. Mm-hmm. And so all the, um, you submit an article, are a poetry, a video, a comic, and it will be reviewed. Um, in a completely transparent way, and so you get a, you know who your trans, uh, the reviewers are, you know, and it's definitely having to undo the traditional because it's not called reviewers; they're called reflectors, mm-hmm. and that was a very intentional element that we want to kind of take away the um, breakthrough from the traditional journal that you're getting like criticized, but rather you're reflecting on the work right and moving it forward and. The creators, who mm-hmm. the author, which we, and yeah. the reflectors, get to have a conversation, right? Exactly. And you know who each other is, and it's not that I'm behind a wall and yeah. I can just. And it's pretty, like it is a kind of a vulnerable process. Like I know the first one I wrote, I think I was a bit harsher than, and I felt like I, I had this like a bit of shame, like, oh, wait, should I have really said it like that? Mm -hmm. And so it really makes you kind of recognize that that's a person and as the creator and really kind of honor that element and touch into the larger purpose of getting more equity in education. 
Well, that's a wonderful contribution. Thank you very much. And I'm thrilled that you're at San Jose State, a beautiful part of the country. It's it's a great school, and um, it has its roots in social justice. Mm-hmm. So, like, Cesar Chavez was there, um, and so it has a strong, and it's a Hispanic-serving institution, and so I feel like at a space that I can really make a big difference. It's good. Yeah. Well, Julia, thank you very much. Thank you, Ruth. It's great to see you. Nice seeing you. So I'm here at ASWE at the Purdue booth with James Huff. And James, can you tell us your full title at Harding, just so I'm sure I get that correct? Sure. Um, I'm an assistant professor of engineering education at Harding. Okay. And Harding is in Harding, Arkansas. Yes, Harding is in Arkansas. It's a close to Little Rock, small Christian university, <laughs> well, mid-sized Christian university, about 45 minutes north of Little Rock. Okay. And how many was mid-sizes? 8,000? 10,000? Uh, about... about Five, six thousand okay. is what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty big, though. It's pretty big. The engineering program has about 200 students. Yes. So, yes. yes. So I wondered. Um, I'd like to tell you. I'd like to have you tell me more about this at the at a longer podcast. But can yes. you tease me a little bit with interpretive phenomenological analysis? Yes. Yes. Interpretative phenomenological analysis, or IPA. It's a mouthful. So. We will go quickly to the acronym. Um, it is a way of diving deep into individual lived experience of phenomena. Um, and it is the, the outcome of a strong IPA study is that you see things that have always been in front of you, but you've never really noticed. Um, and so, for example, I had uh, a paper published last week in the journal Emerging Adulthood um, that was looking deeply at the identity development of students as they transition from school to the engineering workplace and how they understood their identity. Um, and I think the um, main, well, the main knowledge claim of that paper was that they committed. Uh, very readily to their role as an engineer and to understanding who they were as an engineer, but they had a much more exploratory way of understanding who they were outside of engineering. Um, and, and to have knowledge claims like that that seem to contradict each other, it's hard to package in a paper, but IPA gives you a way to dive deep into the individual's experiences as they, as they in their own terms, and then blend that with theoretical understandings of some of those constructs as well. Cool. Yes. It is, it's so much fun. Um, and I'm currently doing work in understanding the experience of shame among some other projects mm-hmm. as well. So so we will we will let that be a teaser for people. Okay. To be continued. To be continued yes. in a longer format. Yes. People are like, wow, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's great to be on this. Uh, yeah, it's great to be part of this. Here we are at ASWE, the Purdue booth. Diana, please tell me your full title and your full name and of course, all of that. Of course, Ruth. My name is Diana Bayraktarova, and currently I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Engineering Education at Virginia Tech. And one of our wonderful, fabulous e graduates. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, Diana, I know that you have honored me by having me be on a uh, 
new grant that you've been funded with, I'd be on yes. the advisory board, but can you tell people a little bit about that grant? Yes, uh, I'm very excited of uh, starting to work on that project um, is it's a project that I see as a continuation of my dissertation work and um, it, I'm excited because it's also in alignment with uh, the future research that I plan um, in the next five ten years can and you the share project any of that yes. direction with us? yes of course I am um, so first with the project, the project is uh, looking what is the impact of physical, of mechanical objects in learning um, difficult and abstract concepts in thermodynamics. Fabulous! Yes, yes, and the, um, the, the, the design, the method of the study use uh, um, a series of experimental um, design studies in three years and uh, you are uh, the mem one of the members mm -hmm. on the advisory board, but also Milo Koretsky. Right, right. Um, and uh, faculty in uh, uh, Boyce University, who is also teaching thermodynamics. And it does very innovative, uh, very um, interactive pedagogies. And um, I consider the, the, the artifacts, the physical objects, as uh, a stimuli mm -hmm. in enhancing learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also consider it as part of interactive and more project-based uh, right. Right. learning. And there's so many concepts in Thermo that are so very abstract. This yes. is a way to put reality yes. to them, right? Yes. Yes. And then um, it's one of the most difficult uh, subjects yes. in engineering, yes. particularly in some of the engineering disciplines. And students, ha and in me personally teaching Thermo for several years, I uh, had the, the privilege to have a first-hand experience of uh, students' struggles. Mm -hmm. And um, I tried to have um, trips to power plants, local power plants, but it's not possible very, uh, all the time with large class, uh, class uh, rooms right, with uh, right. um, a lot of students. And those power plants are enormous, so I cannot bring the power plants in the classroom either. Right. So mechanical objects and small scale um, objects that could explain those abstract phenomena. Um, I am very excited to yes. uh, see what will be the results from those. Fabulous. So you're starting in the fall? Uh, actually, the project started um, last month, 15 of May. And in the summer, uh, I, uh, I'm working with a PhD student in mechanical engineering who is going to help me uh, prepare the, the recruiting materials, the study materials, and we will do the first uh, uh, experimental study in the fall. Fabulous. Yes. And I also have to say that uh, I'm excited for another reason because I still will be involved in ther with thermodynamics and with mechanical um, engineering learning, if I can say that. Um, being a faculty in engineering education, not all of us have that opportunity. Right. Right. Or the skill to teach thermo. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Which I know you do very well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana, and I'm excited to keep working with you on this. Great, me too, and the honor is mine. Well, <laughs> here we are at ASWE.
uh, in the Purdue booth, and I'm speaking with Aisa Santiago Roman, my second baby, <laughs> my second student. Um, so Aisa, would you tell us your title? And you do so many things. Well, I am a professor at the Engineering Science and Materials Department at the University of Puerto Rico, Mayagüez, and I'm also the head of the department yes. as well. So, yes. And um, what I wanted you to share today is how um, Hurricane Maria and the devastation there, the continued devastation, has affected your students, your institution, your department, and some of the things you've been doing to cope. Sure, it has been tough. Um, as many people know, Hurricane Maria affected everybody in the island. Um, and because of that, um, we everybody was without electricity and water uh, for many, many months. Still, there's a lot and of still people some, right? that doesn't have electricity or water, or one or the other, or both. Um, so, um, as you know, as department head, I have some responsibilities to make sure we can get as far as possible the um, the campus open so that students could come and continue their work and try to get them in a safe place and a nice environment that um, they can feel more normal again right. within the normal, right. new normal definition new normal. that we have. Um, but, um, but also at home, it was really tough because everything was, it was devastation everywhere. It was like a fire came through and everything was um, burned by the wind. And the water, everything was falling uh, off. No, as I tell, no electricity. The, the poles were down. And uh, we were fortunate at home that we have um, water and, and we had electricity, um, solar powered electricity. So people will come and feel a little bit relieved within the environment so they could come, get water, drink some cold water get some ice, um, food we will cook for everybody who would show up, so they would come and stay for a little bit and just relax for a little while, which was comforting to be able to do that. At the same time on campus, we had a lot of students that lost, ev that lost everything. I mean, we even had parents that were moving in into the students' dorms mm -hmm. during the crisis because at Maya West, we had electricity within a month. So they would move from their houses and stay with their kids in the dorms, in one room, everybody. So there was electricity and water. Uh, but it has been tough. We have been trying to get some systems, like for them to, we asked professors not to ask anything electronically. There was no internet, no phone service. So we were not able to ask them to hand in stuff electronically because there was no access to the internet, just on campus. Um, and uh, also as part of many of the projects that are running through the university and the campus and in our department especially, we had a lot of um, faculty and students going and setting up water system, like water filters, um, set up some stoves made of cans so they could actually heat up something and eat something, um, getting food, water to those places that uh, were not accessible by road because mm -hmm. the bridges were gone. Right. Um, and helping them to teach others how to set up as well mm -hmm. and show other members on the community. 
Um, right now we're working on a project on getting solar um, refrigerators, buildings, solar panels and small batteries for current refrigerators so they can have at least their medicines. Right. That needs to be um, in the refrigerators. Uh, they could be kept um, cold. So it, it's still a lot of things that needs to be done, and they're still doing. Um, but I mean, we like to provide whatever help and support I can. So I give them the release time they need it. Just go and do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we think what I could possibly do help that in, in whatever they need it. Well, as I have told you face to face without an audience. Um, <laughs> You are a blessing to your community and to me. And thank I you for stop, everything. I better stop or I'll cry. No, I owe everything to you, so thank you for everything. You're fabulous. You are the best. Yeah. You're the best. <laughs> so uh, here we are at ASWE at the Purdue booth, and I'm with one of our alumni. Alumna, I guess, technically, Megan Pollock. So, Megan, would you want to tell us about your business and what you would like to tell the current graduate students and others thinking about an entrepreneurial pathway? Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I have to first say that I'm so grateful for the education I received at Purdue. The skills that I learned really helped me, helped equip me to be an entrepreneur and equip me to think in that kind of mindset. I think I probably had some of that certainly coming into it, but the skills that I developed really helped equip me with what I needed to create the content and the products and the services that I really want to, to build the business. Um, I graduated in August of 2014 and went at that time directly into a position with a nonprofit as a director of professional development. And even though I was uh, working for another nonprofit at that time, I still had an entrepreneurial spirit and took what I learned to develop an entire product line for the organization that's bringing in um, close to half a million dollars a year. And it was using the things that we learned in content assessment pedagogy and the research methods. And so I uh, developed a portfolio of toolkits that allowed us to put the work around diversity, equity, inclusion into into the into the market, and um, I was able to hire some other of our graduates. Dr. Julia Thompson helped uh, write one of the books with me, and um, and so taking that skill set, and I and also I was able to build a learning management system that helped us to again put more of the professional development into the market around these topics, and uh, so I I took a leap this past fall, and uh, I accepted a part-time position as executive director of a nonprofit called Design Connect Create and uh, this organization what they have offered over the past decade are two-week physics camps for girls and it's targeted for girls who are going to be going into their first physics course and I'm thrilled to be a part of this one because the president of our organization is a mentor of mine and I met her when I worked at Texas Instruments years ago uh, she's a remarkable woman she was one of the first uh, TI technical fellow women and so she broke lots of glass ceilings and another one of my mentors is on the board so it was really quite serendipitous to have this opportunity and they've given me free reign uh, to take the organization where I want and so what I get to do is to then take the what things that I learned from Purdue and uh, around integrated STEM education and creating equitable education to create uh, an organization with products and services that help us to really reach our mission which is to increase the participation of women uh, within STEM fields mm -hmm. and so one of the things that I'm doing uh, launching this 
this fall is a new product line. And the product line, uh, practically speaking, is where I need something that helps to bring in revenue for the organization so I can provide free camps for girls. Uh, and so I'm launching a product line. It's called uh, STEM Ambassadors. And uh, what we're doing is we're designing tools for girls to use that they're using anyways uh, that have STEM role models. Now, that sounds a little uh, vague, but what I'm talking about is, you know, so many people have written awesome books about women in STEM, or there are posters, but girls don't use those on a daily basis. Um, and what they use might, might use more often are a deck of cards or any kind of like a memory game for younger students. And so we're going to create uh, games that feature the, the faces and roles and jobs that amazing women do. And so we're going to put the role models into the hands of the students. And so I'm excited to, to release our first mm -hmm. product. And it will be an annual thing. So every year we're going to feature more and more women. And uh, we aim to always have a very diverse group of women who are doing amazing things. And, uh, and again, I'm using the skill set that I've sort of built up over the last few years. Apart from that, another project that I'm working on is I still have a consulting business that I had while I was at Purdue and um, I encourage all Purdue students as well as grad students to take advantage of opportunities to consult within within the, their time that they're studying because it's an amazing way to immediately apply what you're learning in a very practical and useful way that will make a difference immediately. Um, that's one of the things that I did in your class. Uh, I We had to do a project for a content and assessment and pedagogy and so I pitched one of my clients and said, hey, like I have this idea idea uh, that I needed to fulfill your requirements, mm -hmm. uh, but it helped me to develop what became one of our primary offerings at the National Alliance for Partnerships yeah, and Equity once I was a full-time employee there. And so um, I'm always trying to hire people, mm -hmm. so, you know, come work with me yes. when I'm offering those, those opportunities. Um, another thing I'm working on is I um, am so passionate about supporting women and the work that they are trying to do. And recognizing that there are so many forces in our world, in our environment, that that don't support us and that really try to push us down. And so I um, just this morning kicked off a meeting with a group of women. Uh, we're building a collective organization of women who are going to, uh, as individuals, we are coming together to collectively raise the um, success of all of us. And uh, it's primarily around people who are doing work in engineering, education, and equity. And I'm, I'm thrilled about this because internally we aim to mentor, advise, and coach another and externally we aim to become a uh, one of the foremost places for, for businesses and organizations across the country and the world to come to for equity resources and services and the idea of this is to co-create this 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 organization and so it's going to metamorphosize over over time uh, but the entire mission is to shift away from the individualistic cultures that so many of us have been raised to and to compete in myself included Mm -hmm. and create a culture where we support one another. Mm -hmm. um, that we're really helping to raise one another up. Uh, and so I'm super excited about that. And other like, totally random entrepreneurial things that I'm doing that uh, I'm just launching a few online businesses as side hustles to, to exercise some new skills um, around Amazon fulfillment services and different marketing strategies in a, 
And so I'm using those opportunities to help equip me for once, I'm develop, once I've developed my own portfolio of resources around engineering education and equity, I have that skill set and it will better serve uh, myself and all of my colleagues to help them uh, to get their work out. Fabulous. It is always so great to see people using what they've learned and, and uh, I absolutely agree to be able to take something you're learning and make it something concrete that's meaningful and useful and will benefit you and other people is absolutely the way to go. So, thank you for providing that as a model. Yeah, thanks. And I encourage more students to think about um, their options. Mm -hmm. There's not just academia. Right. And there's a lot of freedom that comes in academia, and there's a lot of freedom that comes in the consulting and, yes. and entrepreneurial space. And and there's certainly room for overlap as well. And uh, I, I hope that students explore those options for themselves and, and begin to recognize how their skills are certainly useful in an academic setting, right? I mean, that's what we were sort of trained right. to do. Right. Um, but there's so much value that, that all of us can offer, um, <laughs> offer the world in different capacities, right. more social entrepreneur um, and social innovation kinds of strategies. And I'm not done yet. I am getting started. Yes, and I, know. I am just getting started and learning so much and uh, excited to be a part of this network of amazing professionals. This is always like coming home to me at ASWE. Yes. Uh, and and I'm grateful for for what for what I was offered and what I earned uh, in my time at Purdue. And there's certainly, you know, to stick with your theme of research briefs, there's research in all of this. One, everything I'm doing is grounded in the literature, and I think that that's what sets me apart from a lot of people who are in the market of diversity, right. equity, and inclusion. Right. Um, a lot of people, it's their sort of view of the world, and they come up with cute little frameworks, but it's grounded in nothing. And so what sets this work apart is we stand on the shoulders of giants, and we use the work that's validated um, and help us to better understand the world, and we use that to create the frameworks that we're using to, to better equip people to understand how their own biases and how the own their the ways of those biases manifest in their interactions are unintentionally affecting students in really powerful ways, and what we can do about that. Um, and. And I, I, it is my intention with the Design Connect Create organization to build a research component in that. And so I'll be looking to hire some research uh, assistants to, to help Great. us do that. Um, I always try to pitch that I've got data, data, data. Anybody needs to do a dissertation, they should call me if they want to focus on uh, focus on girls in high school. Um, come, come do something with the data for us. And um, yeah. Great. Thank you for thank you for your time and thank you well, for asking the questions. Thank you. Right. Keep, keep doing great things, Megan. Thank you so much. Research briefs is produced by the School of Engineering Education at Purdue. Thank you to Patrick Vogt for composing our theme music. A transcript of this podcast can be found by googling Purdue Engineering Education podcast. And please check out my blog, Ruth Strevler. WordPress.com.